Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 510 of the Juice Box Podcast. On today's episode, Jake Leach returns. Jake is the Executive Vice President and Chief Technology Officer at Dexcom. Jake is responsible for the leadership of scientific research, engineering, product development, and product management. He oversees the development of next-generation products and leads a large organization of amazing people. I've actually lost track of the amount of times Jake has been on the show, but my best research tells me that the first time he was here was in 2016. Is it 2021 now? Wow. Okay. Jake's going to answer some of your questions that you sent to me through the private Facebook group for the podcast. He's going to answer a couple of my questions. He's going to talk a little bit about what's going on. If you like Dexcom, you're going to love this episode. While you're listening, do me a favor and remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Less than a month ago, I interviewed Dexcom CEO Kevin Sayer, and that's available at episode 498, where we talk more nuts and bolts about Dexcom G7. Are you all excited for Dexcom G7 to come out? I am too. Just so you know, I'm geeking out over here. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. This episode is also sponsored by Omnipod. Now, if you're a listener of the show, you know that you may be eligible for a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash tubeless insulin pump. All you have to do is go to omnipod.com forward slash juice box to find out. But there's some new exciting news from Omnipod, and I'd like to share it with you right now. There is no need to wait for the next big thing. With the Omnipod promise, you can upgrade to Omnipod's latest technologies for no additional costs as soon as they are available to you and covered by insurance. Terms and conditions apply, but you can find out everything you need to know, all the details, at omnipod.com forward slash juice box. I don't want to waste any time because I'm looking at, <laughs> I'm looking at a pile of, uh, an absolute pile of questions here uh, from listeners for, for the first thing. And I guess also I'm excited because whenever I get you after I get Kevin, it means something's about to happen. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, take a second just so I have it for posterity. Introduce yourself, please. Hey, Scott. Uh, I'm uh, Jake Leach. I'm the Chief Technology Officer at Dexcom. Uh, thrilled to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm really excited to have you back. I, I appreciate you doing it. Thank you very much. So, um, like I said, I, uh, I interviewed Kevin a little while ago, and he kind of went over some high-level stuff that was happening. And I recognized from the cycle over and over again that it might mean we're getting close to Dexcom G7. Um, so I asked if I could get you back on the show. It's been a little bit since you've been here, and, and uh, I'm excited to do this again. Um, I don't know where to start other than I, I should probably let you start, I think. like, Where do you feel like things are at? Uh, there's so much happening. Uh, we just got some uh, really exciting news last week with our um, API being approved, uh, real-time API. So that was exciting in a lot of different ways. One, because it, it expands our ecosystem for G6 and ultimately G7 as well. Mm -hmm. So this is a, um, a web API that allows third-party developers of applications, mobile apps, to connect directly to um, the Dexcom cloud, cloud and receive um, glucose readings directly in real time. So that's a, it's a big step. Our, our previous uh, web API was a retrospective, so the data was a bit delayed. Mm -hmm. Now this opens it up to real-time data. So it's exciting in that way. It's also exciting in seeing that the FDA is getting back uh, to device um, you know, reviews. Uh, there was a lot of uh, pandemic COVID-related emergency authorizations that they were working on. And so it's really great to see them getting back to, uh, to the diabetes devices. And we're, we're excited to get that approval. Yeah, me too. Uh, give me an example of where this API might work. I own a, I don't know, a, a smartwatch manufacturer. Like, is that the idea? Sure. Yeah. So um, it's, that's exactly right, Scott. The Garmin, one of the folks that we, we um, uh, was quoted in our press release about this, <clears throat> they're looking at some really exciting um, smartwatch connectivity. So their their uh, connected watches can display 
glucose. That's what they're, they've got a bunch of different options that they're working on, mm-hmm. but that's the idea. It allows for real-time data display uh, in a multitude of different um, experiences, whether it could be a smartwatch, it could be in a mobile app. Like another example is Livongo and Teladoc, right? Teladoc is about um, remote care, uh, accessing physicians remotely. And the Livongo platform is about um, di- treating uh, diabetes with the right level of support needed uh, for the individual Putting real-time glucose data into that system basically takes the power of a Dexcom CGM, the accuracy, the reliability, performance, and puts it right into their uh, user experience within their mobile application. So it's a, a really exciting way to create different experiences for our users around the reliability of Dexcom. How far does this travel? Like, I'm making this up right now, but could I hire an app developer and make a Juicebox podcast app that also you could connect to your Dexcom? You could, as long as you um, follow it. It is a, still considered a regulated medical mm-hmm. device, so you, you have to have those types of classifications um, uh, and controls. But it's not, um, you know, you could, uh, Scott, you absolutely could if you wanted to. Jake, Jake um, is, Jake it could happen. You're imagining me as like a bathtub pharmacist right now. I meant I would actually like <laughs> like a person who understood what they were doing. So it's not, what I'm saying is it's not limited to people you have agreements with right now or you do business with already. Yeah, that's right. Any anybody, we have a website, DexcomDeveloper.com, uh, uh, and you can go there and basically access um, all of the information, uh, how to get started with our APIs, uh, how to download the tool set, uh, and then, um, yeah, basically how to work with us. It's all there, and so we welcome folks to, to check it out. What's the reasoning, like from your perspective, from a business perspective, to make this available? It's, you know, we, we can't solve, um, there, there's, a, there's a lot of different experiences that people want or need uh, around CGM uh, within diabetes. And it's, it's basically, we, we acknowledge that we can't do everything. We're not going to solve every problem uh, or provide every experience that's wanted. So we want to basically build an ecosystem around Dexcom where we have Dexcom at the heart, but we allow others to create really exciting products around our CGM Mm -hmm. and it just makes the user experience for our customers that much better. Yeah. I think it, it also ends up supporting the company backwards too, right? Like the more things that are out there that people can use, it's, it's better for you guys and better for us, um, by, by extension, I believe. Um, okay. So that's pretty exciting. Is that that's launched now? That's good to go. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's approved, and we've got uh, partners that have been working with it actually already uh, in a development format. And now that it's approved, as soon as they get their solutions um, ready, uh, they can launch them. So, talk about for a second because your app, I'm a, I'm I'm hoping, I guess, that you're going to tell me that the that the apps have been updated, and we're going to see them when G seven comes out, right? So, so, when people want things that are people want things updated all the time. Can you explain why that's not feasible? Because I'm assuming you've made things that you know people want that you wish were in the original apps that you probably could slide in. But wh- why doesn't it happen like that? Why does it happen in a big release? I guess it's a you know Scott, it's a great question. Um, th- I'll answer the first one uh, around G7. Yes, the G7 app is a completely new experience. It has uh, a lot of similarities to G6, so it'll be familiar for people, mm-hmm. uh, but it is a much updated user experience. The The startup wizard to get going and, and how to use the product is is significantly enhanced, <clears throat> as well as the data display. We've got some of the clarity features built right into the G7 app, uh, and um, there's a lot of other exciting things that we're actually holding some of them back. We're, we're really excited to launch G7. We want we have some surprises in there, some some really exciting new stuff. So I can't talk about all of it, but what I can say is um, we're we're really excited about it, and we we think users are going to be going to be thrilled. Um, to the to the second part about um, releases, um, it, it is true that um, often um, the releases come in in larger waves, um, and a lot of it has to do. With history, uh, historically, uh, the FDA would review our products. Um, it, you know, we had to show the FDA the product, the validation, and how it works before we could provide it to customers. Mm-hmm. With the new uh, classification that we got with G6, the Class Two designation, it does allow us to bring um, updates to the apps more frequently. And so, what we've done is we've invested pretty significantly in building our software team up to be able to uh, put out more releases per year than what we've been historically doing. Um, we're really excited about it. So users haven't quite seen um, the um, 
frequency yet come out, but we are uh, have a whole roadmap plan for G7 that once we launch it, we plan to update it quite frequently with new functionality, uh, new feature requests. There's a lot in the, the backlog of stuff that we want to do. And so the first step was getting that lower um, designation by the FDA so that we can get things out faster. Um, and one point about that designation, the, the reason uh, we got there was because with uh, G6, the level of performance and reliability of the CGM got to a point where the FDA was comfortable if you met those standards, the ICGM standards that they set forth. Mm-hmm. If you meet those from a performance and reliability perspective, um, then they're comfortable with it being a class two product, which means we can bring a lot of things to users um, uh, much more, uh, much quicker than we used to in the past. So uh, lots to come with, uh, with the app portfolio. Okay. Is there a, a conscious decision to build slowly when you're making a company? Like, I mean, I don't think, I don't know how people think of it, but you know, when I think of you, I think of Omnipod, I think of stuff that I use every day in my mind, right? There must be this amazing place. It's huge. There's thousands of pounds, thousands of people working there. It's running around, but you start as a small company, you gain some success, but if you start just throwing people in, I imagine it could get overwhelming and things start heading off in the wrong direction. Is like, is that like bringing in app developers as an example, like more slowly, is that on purpose? You know, it, it, it is. I think um, there's two ways I look at it. One way I look at it is it's always important to look at what's the number one priority for the team. Uh, and so for um, as, as we look at our apps and our features, we're always working very hard to prioritize which one comes next. Um, and it's all based on customer feedback. We listen to uh, our customers and um, there's plenty of requests. And so what we do is we look for the ones that um, based on their feedback are the most important, the most needed the other thing that we always prioritize is anything uh, for that the FDA wants to see. You know, they evolve, continue to evolve too, um, and so priorities are important. And then the other thing is, as you mentioned, it you know the product of a development team is the app that the users use, that customers use, and it's so important to have a consistent experience and uh, quality. Uh, quality is also so important with software. And so it is important as you onboard team members that they understand the culture, they understand why we do it, they understand that we always put the customers first, patient first. It, it's a it's a whole mindset. So we do have an onboarding program as we bring developers on, um, and it's it's both development and test. Um, the testers that test our apps are just as important as the people who write them because they're the ones who are guaranteeing that the users get the experience they they deserve. Yeah, I wonder how much. Um, like I just got a picture sent to me the other day from a listener who's wearing four different G sevens. She's testing adhesives, and yeah. you know she's got them all over her. And I don't. I know that that. I mean, that's assumed, right? That that stuff happens, but it takes time, and it's hard to find people to do stuff like that. Going back to the app for a second, how much does um, visual simplicity come into your thinking? Like, so you're not overwhelmed because. I don't know how frequently I look at Arden's app, to be perfectly honest with you, or how frequently she looks at it, but you don't want it to be like this information overload every time you see it. You want what you need, but you don't want more than that. I was wondering if that's a consideration. It's uh, it's it's at the top of the list. Um, our, our user design group um, is very thoughtful in the way that we communicate information. And one of the things with G7 was we knew that we wanted to expand the capabilities of the app without making it um, overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So um, the way that the app is architected, you, there's lots of um, new information you can access, but it's not, it's there with a quick, um, at your fingertips, but it's not in your face. And so what it allows you to do is you, you can choose the experience you want. If you want to jump right to your clarity report, it's right there. You can go see time and range um, and you can see daily stats if you want. Um, or you can just, you don't even have to scroll down to that. You can just stay on the the, the normal real-time display mm. page, which will be uh, familiar for, for users. It's a lot like G6. But um, the way that the information is organized, we purposefully designed it so that we could put more functionality into it without it being overwhelming, particularly for new users who are just, you know, um, you know potentially newly diagnosed with diabetes, still learning um, about, you know, how different things affect their blood sugar. And so you want it to be as simple as possible. You want the alerts... Uh, and the alarms to be accessible and easy to use. So if I'm wrong about this, please stop me. But I feel like perhaps as long as three years ago, 
I spent a number of hours over a number of different days giving my feedback about what I would want to see in a Dexcom app. Was that the start of this process that we're going to see this year? It was, yeah. Did I yeah, just trick you start. into telling you it was this year? I didn't mean to. Yeah. That's what I did. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's <laughs> okay. it's definitely you're you're going to see. So those are the exact types of sessions that we do mm-hmm. um, with uh, with our, our users, and that's the idea. We want to hear because you know we we've got a lot of folks at the company who use the product as well yeah. and live with diabetes and are, and are uh, you know using the CGM to help manage, but. Um, it's nothing's better than customer feedback. So that's, that's exactly what it was. Those sessions were all about what do we put into this app? What functionality, what experience do people want? Yeah. So I'm going to take a second to say something that I think is important for long-term for people with type one. I think whether it's going to be an algorithm on a pump or your product or anything like it, at some point there should be, uh, levels, expert levels of the app that you can unlock. Maybe your doctor has to say okay to it or something like that. But I'll use this example, any of these algorithms that are coming out right now for pumps, right? Uh, Control IQ, Omnipod 5, they're not going to be as customizable as the do-it-yourself loop that exists in the world, right? And so for the people who know that they can keep their blood sugar at 85 overnight super steady when the algorithm's more customizable, and giving over to the idea that there are far more people who are probably walking around with A1Cs that are 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and would just be thrilled to wear one of those algorithms and have a 6.5 A1C that's super stable, right? Like That would be life-changing for them. But how do you make it so that it helps everybody who's in every situation? And in my mind, it's like, it's like the way Photoshop does it. You can click on the beginner, the intermediate, or the advanced tab, and when you move up, you get more features. Is that anything that's ever talked about? You heard me talk about it at the beginning of the show. Omnipod has a promise for you. The Omnipod promise says this. You can upgrade to Omnipod's latest technologies for no additional cost as soon as they're available to you and covered by insurance. Think about that. Okay, now listen to this. You can get a free, no-obligation trial of the Omnipod Dash right now by going to omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Okay, so you may be eligible for a free 30-day trial right now. You go to the link, you get started. Even, you know, if you love it, it's great. The first 30 days are still free. So you get a free 30 days, and then... If Omnipod should ever come out with a new product, the Omnipod promise covers you. You can upgrade to Omnipod's latest technologies for no additional cost as soon as they're available to you and covered by insurance. Everyone follow what I'm saying? Terms and conditions apply, but you can find out all the details at my link, omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. There's links in the show notes of this podcast player that you're listening in right now, or links at juiceboxpodcast.com. I mean, in case you can't remember, omnipod.com forward slash juicebox, which I feel like you can do. All right, does everybody get what I'm saying about Omnipod? Because it's time for one more thought. Givoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes, ages two and above. Not only is Givoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. I have a little more time here, so let me tell you about the diabetes pro tip episodes from the juice box podcast. They are management focused. It's me and my friend Jenny Smith. Jenny is a CDE, and she's had diabetes for 33 years now. And we talk through the concepts and ideas that are mentioned here in the podcast. So the Diabetes Pro Tip series has them condensed down into topics. They begin at episode 210 in your podcast player, or you can find them at diabetesprotip.com or at juiceboxpodcast.com. And if you're really newly diagnosed, you might be hearing a lot of terms that don't make sense. Go to that same link, diabetesprotip.com, and you'll be able to find 
the Defining Diabetes series from the Juicebox podcast. Simple terms that may not be simple to you. Explained quickly, easily, and in a fun way. So not only will you know what the term means when you're done, but you'll know how to use it. A hammer's not a hammer until you know how to bang on a nail. And if you've never seen a hammer before, well, that could be confusing. So go find out what a rage bolus is, basal insulin, and so many other words that you may be hearing for the first time if you're newly diagnosed and using insulin. Okay, guys, last thing, they're not sponsors of this episode, but if you're hearing stuff you're liking about Dexcom, using my link would be a big deal to me. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Let's get back to Jake. like the way Photoshop does it. You can click on the beginner, the intermediate, or the advanced tab. And when you move up, you get more features. Is that anything it's ever talked about? It is. It's, uh, um, I think, the, uh, the, one of the ways that I see CGM is it's, it's an education tool, right? You learn so much. It, you mean, it helps manage, but it also, um, you learn over time as you use it. Uh, and so the way that we construct the apps, the idea is that there's a user journey when they first, when you're first starting out on CGM. Mm-hmm. And then once you have learned how to use the product, um, you start gaining more insights from it. And so you kind of step it up. And I think, um, you know, there's so much innovation going on in the space of um, insulin delivery, whether it's the automated insulin del- delivery systems you mentioned, or, um, you know, algorithms around multiple daily injections and pens and yeah. smart pens. We're just starting to see smart pens come out. Um, and so there, there is definitely a, a user um, experience journey where they, you gain more experience in managing diabetes and um, the concept of a, a more advanced app or more advanced features uh, is definitely something that we talk about. And I, I think over time, you know, our, our goal is still to have an app that can serve customers in the way they want to be served. And so the idea is um, with the APIs and the rest of the ecosystem, there's tools, our, our pump partners, you mentioned Tandem and, and uh, Insulet. Um, all of those are designed, they're powered by Dexcom CGM, but it's designed to, you know, give users choice. Um, what, you know, how do you want to deliver your insulin? Um, all of those things. And so we try to support that as much as we, as we can. Okay. So before I jump in and, and barrage you with cl- questions that hopefully you can answer, maybe you won't be able to, um, I just want to say thank you because you said something a moment ago that I believe to be a million percent true. And everyone listening to this should know. If you've gotten any value out of this podcast as a listener about how to use insulin, most of what I was able to teach myself came from that little screen in front of me with that Dexcom. Like watching that graph, seeing insulin impact the, the number, seeing food impact it, watching the speeds. Um, I learned more in a handful of years than I think I would have learned in a lifetime of not seeing that. I don't even know, like, I, I don't want to sound like, I don't want to be ham-fisted, but I don't gen- I generally genuinely do not know where my daughter's life would be right now if you guys didn't do this. No, seriously. Like I her A1C is consistently in the mid fives. She eats whatever she wants. She's active some days, not active other days. It's um it changed her life. I mean, it changed everyone's life, but I don't think I'd be able to do what I do if it wasn't for what you guys do. So I think it's amazing. So it's so great to hear. It's it's uh, you know the best part of doing what we do is when we hear you know feedback like that that people get to live a normal life with diabetes, uh, and it's it's one of those things that we've seen it over time. You know, with our first systems, they were they were helpful, but they they weren't a great solution for everybody. And over time, uh, with remote monitoring and all the you know automated insulin delivery, and it's just so exciting to see. And, and you're so right about the the real time feedback, whether whether it's type one diabetes or even type two. We're seeing you know recently we saw that. You know, folks on basal insulin only um, using CGM can really improve their time and range right. um, by using CGM because it's just it's feedback you never had before. So I'm seeing that, too. There are people listening to the show now and joining the there's a private Facebook group for the show that's like up to like 13,000 people oh, wow. and there are more and more type twos coming into it. Yeah, and they're having yeah. similar experiences just by listening to the conversations. So anyway, I, I genuinely mean that. So I, I really appreciate it. Now, Jake, I'm I'm vexed here. Because I buried what I think is the thing people want to know the most about 10 questions into this. But I'm just going to start off with it so people can can 
can get one bit of happiness if you're able to answer this. When the new app comes out, and I'll ask you if you can tell me when later, but when it comes out, is there any chance that Delta will be on their rate of change? I, I can't uh, I can't exactly answer that one. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you know that that is something people really, really want? I do. Yes, I do. Absolutely. Do you go to work every day trying to make the patients happy? I do. I do. Absolutely. Then we'll just move on. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess maybe I should ask, um, it, will, will the new app launch with the new device? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It'll, it'll come together. It's a, it, you will uh, remove your G when you upgrade to G seven, you remove the G six app and you download the new G seven app. Uh, and then you enter in your, your credentials for your account, your Dexcom username and password, and you're off to the races with G seven. That's it. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that I know that the answer is no to, but I think it's good for people here because they have this thought all the time. Can you make your receiver Wi-Fi enabled? Like, like so, it's a great question, and we debate we debate it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is technically possible to do it, um, and so and we know that that is a request. Um, we you know you, you have to put the hardware into it to make it compatible with Wi-Fi. You have to put the silicon in there, the chips. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the the current one is not Wi-Fi enabled, um, and we are launching a new receiver with G seven. It's a new display device, uh, but and and that one is not Wi-Fi enabled. Um, the idea there is we wanted a very, very simple display device for, for users that prefer the receiver. Um, but it, it's helpful to know um, that uh, Wi-Fi is a, is a desired option. And I assume it's around um, being able to remote monitor when in a Wi-Fi range with the receiver is what I'd expect. Yeah. It, so the answer, the questions usually are around um, the convenience for younger children. Yeah. Um, they it, And then this runs right into this next question, which I don't have the technical background to explain to people, but I feel like you do. Why, why can't people be connected while they're swimming or in a bathtub? Can you just very simply, I mean, I'm assuming the Bluetooth signal just doesn't travel through water, but. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's basically that the Bluetooth is a 2.4 gigahertz is the frequency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what happens with uh, that higher frequency around water is the water absorbs the radio signal. And so it can't transmit. Um, and so um, 2.4 gigahertz is not, is frequently not used for anything that's in, you know, either implanted or um, under, um, you know, in a body water or anything, but just because the, it's not an efficient frequency for use in um, uh, anywhere around, you know, inside water or, or tissue. The reason we use Bluetooth is because of it's, um, it's such a ubiquitous, um, standard for mobile phones and with with our our original goal with um g5 was to get to uh, a mobile experience with our cgm and so we moved to bluetooth um and it's it's been a great tool our pump partners have adopted it uh but it it, the one thing one of the things about it is it doesn't work well underwater just it's you have no idea how many times somebody was like why does it not work when i go swimming or blah blah i'm like well i think physics but yeah (laughs) uh uh, somebody wants to know if in the future there'll be an automated way of reporting a failed sensor. hundred percent. So one of our, um, a very important goal of ours, it's a, a company-wide goal, is to um, simplify that experience for users when a sensor does fail. And um, we, we know that there are some pain points in that process of trying to get a new sensor and a replacement. Mm-hmm. And so we we very much want to make that experience simpler with automated tools. And it's kind of, it's the way that we think about a lot of things. We, re- we recently um, launched a new FAQ page or, uh, that you can access from within the G6 app. And it's, it just has a lot of answers to, to basic questions. And, you know, more than half the phone calls we get at the company are, are around people just asking questions around how to use the product. It's not really tech support in terms of, I have an issue that I need you to help me resolve. It, it's just simple things. And so we've updated the FAQ page. That's a first step. Um, and we want to build more automation into the apps to help users solve problems quickly uh, without having to pick up the phone and, and call us. Um, they, we're still there if they want to call, um, but we do want to help them resolve their issues as fast as possible. Okay. I'm going to make a note about that. I want to bring something up to you afterwards uh, that I think is interesting, but maybe not interesting for everybody listening. Uh, cool. Will it work with Tidepool at launch? Will it work at on, with Omnipod 5? And... Uh, Tide 
so tide pool loop is one of those things that I guess, I mean, I probably thought we were going to see it by now. And now I realize that I was kind of crazy for thinking it would come so quickly. But how about that? Will, will G7 work with those devices? So G7, uh, the Bluetooth functionality G7 is very similar to G6, but we've made quite a few enhancements to it. So the, our, our partners, one, have to do some updating to their communication protocols. Um, that's one. Uh, and then two, they have to get the product approved for use with their system. With um, G6 being an ICGM, G7 uh, is intended to be an ICGM uh, when approved by the FDA. That makes the path uh, to, to upgrade um, for those uh, for our pump partners and, and our insulin delivery partners. It makes it easier for them. It's a faster process because the performance of the product's proven out. It's important to note it's ICGM for AID. There are different categories of ICGMs. The one G6 is the only one that's in the category for automated insulin delivery. And so the tools are there for those those partners. And we are already working uh, with a number of our partners on G7 integrations that we have been for quite a while. Um, and so they're they're moving quickly. And so those approvals timing will be based on those companies, uh, how quickly they can get their validations through the FDA. But we anticipate um, that it, it will be uh, as fast as they can. Do do you have employees that are bridges to pump partners? We do. We yeah. actually have an entire group that um, reports into me that uh, we call it our alliance management group. And what they do is um, they work with all of our different partners, digital health partners, um, uh, uh, insulin delivery partners, um, and they're really the um, the focal point of communicating with the partners. And then we have separate support teams, like we have a separate Bluetooth support team, mm. specifically for helping people integrate um, with our transmitter, particular pump partners, um, and then also testing those implementations to make sure they work properly. So those partners aren't left to their own devices. They're not over there scrambling around being like, I don't know what happened. They can contact you, have meetings together, all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, we strive to be the best partner possible and, and have all the support we can mm-hmm. um, because we know that um, by supporting uh, partners like Tandem and Sled and others, it's all about um, you know serving the customers and giving them choice. And so the more that we build around G6 and G7, the better. So in for simplicity, G7 comes out, it hits when it hits. The partners need to get it, get it set up, do the testing get it to the FDA and get the okay. And the, yeah. it's reasonable to consider they are working on that as we speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. See, G, G7 needs to be approved first, and then um, they uh, will get their approvals very, very quickly, I expect. We're already working on those integrations and doing testing uh, with G7 and, and multiple partners. Okay, so I put my foot in my mouth when I was talking to Kevin, so I, I will know not to approach it the same way this time. I will, I will change this question to... Can you please explain to people why it is difficult to go directly from the transmitter to an Apple Watch? Mm. Scott, that is a great question. I, uh, okay, so really exciting. Um, so uh, there's a, uh, I'll start in the beginning. So when Apple first announced, hey, we were opening up Bluetooth connectivity directly to the watch, the core, core Bluetooth, um, and we were one of the, the companies that they said they're giving access to, um, and we got really excited and we started working with them on it. And what we started to recognize is that um, when you communicate between the transmitter and the watch directly, the watch becomes your primary, well, in, in our language, it's your primary display. It's, the, the, it's not only giving you the real-time CGM readings and access to the data, it's also your alerts and your alarms. And so one of the things that we pay a lot of attention to and work really hard is to ensure that users always get their alerts and alarms, even when their phone is like, for example, on the phone, it's potentially uh, configured in a do not disturb mode and they don't realize that that's how they've done it and they're not going to get their CGM alerts. Mm -hmm. And so within like, for example, the Android app, we actually detect whether that setting has been applied to G6 and we, we remind you to turn off, do not disturb. You want your alerts. So the alerts are so important. And one of the things that, uh, as we worked with Apple on the integration, we started to realize that there were a lot of use cases on the watch where users would not reliably get alerts. Okay. Things like when the watch would go into a lock state, like when you took it off, originally it wouldn't, it, you wouldn't your alerts would suddenly stop working. Okay, And so really a, not a safe place. So what we've done though over time is, as, and there's been multiple watch re, uh, OS releases over time, um, all we've done is basically focused on making sure that those alerts and alarms come through. I'm happy to say that we have figured out 
how to do it. Mm -hmm. And we figured out, um, we have the Bluetooth functionality. We actually implemented that quite a long time ago. The Bluetooth functionality to the watch, what's needed to be in the transmitter inside the G7 to talk directly to a watch, it's in there. And so the next final step is to release a G7. When we release G7, we will need to release a G7 app that has the watch, direct-to-watch functionality in it. And so um, we're kind of finalizing that, the exact timing. Um, I'm still, you know, landing exactly when it's going to come out, but it's going to be soon Mm -hmm. uh, and really excited about the functionality. Um, It's been a long time coming. It's been kind of even internally a bit frustrating going back and forth over those use cases and making sure we have every single one of those potential cases where the alerts wouldn't work, make sure it's covered. And so um, we're we're in a good place now. We're really excited. I laughed because if anybody pays attention to Elon Musk, his it's coming in two weeks, it's coming in two weeks. I I think that's your version of We got the Apple Watch thing. It's coming. It's coming because I feel like I've asked three different haircuts of you that question. You know, hundred uh, percent, and it's just it, so. Is it going to be just the latest version of the watch, or will it be any backward compatibility at all? I, yeah, no, there definitely is. I think if we go all the way back, I think to series the series one watch even will work. Um, okay, uh, I believe yeah. So it actually it goes back quite a ways. Apple's we we support um, and we try to support at least uh, uh, you know two OS versions back, and then also um, older uh, phone uh, hardware, and so the watch hardware. Um, it'll go back quite a bit. Yeah, I have to say for me, I loved Apple Watch right until my eyes, until I turned, I got in my late 40s. And I'm just like, why, why is it so small all of a sudden? It became less <laughs> valuable to me. Um, that's great news. Uh, you think, I know it's hard to say, but I guess here's the place where I'll ask so I can ask the next question. Do you have any timelines for G7 right now? Oh, we've got we've got timelines completely locked down. I just can't share them. <laughs> okay. Um, but we're 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 very we we our launch planning is well underway. Everything is uh, you know we've got our um, submission that we're working on, so we're we're really excited. Um, and uh, yeah, we've got it locked in. I just can't share what the timelines are. Let me ask a different question: When you were getting ready to launch G six, how much sooner before the launch did you start working on that stuff? We so with G six, we did start working on it uh, um, quite a ways ahead of the approval, but with G6, the approval came a little faster than we actually had planned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we had to react to that. And we, you know, we didn't at first have all of the capacity. We couldn't build as many as we wanted. Um, so with G7, we've taken all of those learnings from G6 and built it in up front so that um, we have a launch ready date well ahead of when uh, we expect approval. And so we, and uh, the capacity that we've built up in manufacturing, we already have lines up and running. Um, we've, uh, we're, um, continuing to build more lines. Uh, and we want the transition from G6 to G7 uh, to be as fast as possible. Uh, we, we want customers using the, the latest technology you want to get into their hands. Let me pay you a compliment for my wife. So my wife is a, a drug safety guru, both devices and like she's like the central brain for some pretty big places. And she said that you guys did a really good job of understanding the regulatory process um, and, and she's like, she said, she's kind of amazed. She's like, newer companies don't usually figure out how important that is right away, but that you guys really did. So I don't know who's, who, who thought that was important all those years ago, but that one little decision makes things go faster for it us. Does. Out here. It does. It does. And, and, you know, we approach our relationship with regulators as a partnership. Um, they're, they're just as interested in getting the latest technology to people, uh, as we are, um, they just want to make sure the products are safe and they do what they say they're going to do. And so, you know, you, you, as a partner, you work together to find better solutions on how to get products approved as fast as possible. I think the ICGM designation for G6 is an example of that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, working with the FDA and on how do you, um, you know, what's the real performance bar for, for a CGM. It was actually, you know, with G6, that was the first time there was ever a performance bar that was stated for CGM until G6. It was all about here's how the product performs and just basically labeling it to that. Now it's, there's actually a performance bar that's quite high uh, to, that you have to meet um, to be in that designation. So um, yeah, we, we, we definitely value our relationships with regulators and we spend a lot of time investing in our regulatory team, making sure that we've got the best and brightest there. Yeah. So you seem really comfortable and, and um, kind of proud of the next product that's coming out. So what are the real world like, are we going to see increases in, uh, I don't know, stability? Or are we going to see increases in in what it's doing? Like, is it going to be better at what it's doing? How, how do you it, think of it? 
it's it's a it's an improved product. One of the things I think about with G seven is that um, because uh, of the number and the size of the clinical studies that we've run ahead of actually running the the study for approval, we we ran a lot of studies. And all what that was was to understand the product performance and then tune our glucose algorithm mm-hmm. uh, to um, produce the most accurate, reliable readings. And so it is an, an enhancement over G six. One of the things that we're, uh, from a technology perspective, that we're most excited about is the 30-minute warm-up on G7. Yeah. So that was quite a, um, a technical feat. You know, for, I, I've been working on CGMs for more than 20 years, and the startup has always been one of those things that it takes a certain amount of time for the sensor to acclimate to the body as well as to hydrate. Uh, there's an electrochemical component. So there's all these things to it that um, it would kind of been stuck at Dexcom's been at that two hour mark for, for many, many years. Um, and now with the G7 and the 30 minute um, warm up that we've um, produced, it's, it's really exciting when you, when you put on a G7 and by the time you pair it, you know, you've got about 25 minutes before you see glucose readings, which um, is just, it's better for all kinds of reasons. You know, you've the automated insulin delivery system starts getting CGM readings right away. Um, you don't have to wait the two hours. And so we're, um, from a technology perspective, that's one thing we're really excited about. How are you seeing accuracy in those first number of hours? It's good. Yeah, it's really good. You still, it's still, you know, we with CGM in general, uh, performance on the first day is is more variable than the other days, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's still very good, um, and uh, it's it just gets better uh, on the second day and, and throughout. So it's um, yeah, G seven is is a um, great product. One of the other things that it's really exciting about it is when you deploy it. The, the sensor starts, the session starts. So there's no more of this concept of I want to start my sensor session. Mm-hmm. And then the new concept with G7 is I want to connect to my G7 and it's already up and it's already up and running from the second you press the button. Well, from a person who has once thought that they touched the start button and didn't, <laughs> I appreciate that very much. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to start jumping around in my head here. I can feel it. But there's going to be it's all one package, right? Like the package comes, the entire thing. So for people who are thinking about G6 right now, you have a sensor. The sensor goes on with the adhesive. There's a, a plate there that you clip the transmitter into. Um, but now this whole thing is just one piece, right? It is. It's okay. just one piece. It all comes in a box. And, and even the, the box, um, purposefully, we, we wanted to minimize um, the waste. Uh, and so yeah, the, the box is like, I think it's 67% smaller in volume than G6. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a little box. It has the sensor uh, in the transmitter applicator. It's all one piece. Um, and um, it's a smaller applicator than G6, but still large enough. You can hold it nicely. Um, and it's a single button press and, and deploys a sensor. Um, but yeah, it, it does simplify things. It simplifies things access perspective, right? You don't need a separate prescription for a transmitter. You don't have this concept of I need to, you know, 90 days after remember to get a new transmitter. It's just all in one. And, you know, one of the other exciting things um, that I look to with G7 is that because it's a new transmitter with every device, it allows us as we want to make upgrades to the product. Um, we can, you know, we, there's not this concept that People have to wait till their transmitter expires to get the latest technology. It's coming out with every time, and so we we you know we recently made an update to our transmitter um, to uh, reduce the time where we would see sensor error. So that's the time where the sensor hasn't failed, but it's not showing you glucose readings. Mm-hmm. Um, really significant improvement for for customers that had had that issue. Um, we put it in the transmitter, but you kind of you until you know people get new transmitters, they they didn't get the functionality. So um, that's one of the things I really like about the concept of. It's an all-in-one. All the technology is in the one piece. So if it gets confused and it, it won't show you a, a number because it, it's not certain of it, you're seeing them come back more quickly after that? Yeah. There, we, we with um, uh, particularly that sensor error rate with these new transmitters, if we're for G6, it's 50% less time spent in that sensor error than um, we had with the previous version of G6. And what that was was just getting more experience with the product over millions uh, of sensors um, you start to better understand when you when you know it's working and when you don't, because mm-hmm. um, we we want to make sure that we're only displaying reliable data. And so when you see that sensor error, it's the system is, is there's some sort of signal in the sensor that is telling us that we can't rely on that reading. And so that's why we we show the sensor error. And often it comes back. A lot of them are transient. Um, and so that's kind of what we've done with that that new version of transmitter dialed it in. So you're you're starting to have this historical 
knowledge of of your product and you're starting to be able to make it better and better do you think that in 10 years we're laughing at the size of this thing and and that there's a warm-up or do you think there's a ceiling to this no i i don't think there's a ceiling there's um there's so much innovation still to go in the space and our pipeline is very full of um you know, even reliability enhancements, sensor accuracy. I mean, it, I often get the question, is it good enough? And um, while it's really good and, a, you know, tremendous number of, of people um, use the product and get great, great success with it, I still want it to be better. I want it to be more reliable. I want it to, to meet every user's expectations. And so there's plenty of work for us to continue doing. And so I think in 10 years, it, we're going to be in a whole nother space where, yeah, we'll be laughing at the size of today's devices. We'll be laughing that, you know, is the warm-up period? What's that? Um, you know, it, it's just that we're going to continue to push the envelope, and um, and it's exciting. The way we do our, our research is we have a lot of different programs running independently, and as they prove technical feasibility, we start to bring them together. And so, all of our products over time, and G6 was one of the first that was a very large group of new programs that all came together, and we built G6 with that. We know years ahead of time which programs we're going to put into it. But like for G8 right now, I can't tell you exactly all the technology that's going to go into G8 because a bunch of it's still under uh, feasibility. But soon we'll, we'll start that that product will start taking shape in, a, in our uh, R&D team. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, we've we've got plenty to come. That's really cool. Uh, the new form factor of G7, do you think it'll cut down on compression lows? I, I think, yeah, it it you know, it, it's debatable whether it'll actually cut down on it. Um, we see more compression in the arm, actually, uh, just in general, with G6 and and in, in G7, they're just wearing a device in the abdomen seems to um, be less prone to, to compression. But it's it's really a, a personal thing for, for users. They um, You, know, you kind of have to figure out what works for you. Compression is a f- reality of physiology. When, when, you know, the tissue is compressed, there's less perfusion and you don't get you know, the same glucose flow there. And so it's one of those things that um, we, we have some creative concepts of how to, in the future, how to continue to reduce it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's still, it's still there. It still can happen. Would, do you think it's a software fix? Well, it, 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 it's a really good question, Scott. I think with software, you can detect it, okay. but you can't, you can't, you know, the glucose sensor can only measure the glucose it can measure. So um, it's more about, um, predicting or anticipating it, detecting it, and then how do you react to it and respond? I think that's part of it. The other part of it is um, mechanical design. We're always learning. It's so funny, you know, being in this industry for so long and working on so many different generations of sensors, we still learn every day yeah. more and more about the technology and how to make it better. Well, you, you're the one that, um, that explained the compression load to me in a way that I could understand it. And I, I wonder how many people realize that, you know, if you roll over on it, you're dispersing the interstitial fluid you suddenly get a lower reading. The reading's actually accurate for the spot around the wire, right? But exactly. it's not accurate for the amount of glucose in your blood. It's like putting uh, oil in a bowl of water and then putting something in the middle that repels the oil. The same amount of oil still there. You just can't measure it in the center anymore. It's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I just, I knowing that is really helpful. And then once you can see it, it's fascinating, right? Like it, it, it jumps your heart. Like if your kid's blood sugar is 80 and then all of a sudden it's 55, you're like, ooh. But after a while, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I know I've told you this before. The three-hour line on the graph is the most valuable for me. I can infer the most out of three hours. And so there's something about the bend and the drop where I'm like, oh, that's a compression low. And then I can relax. And then it, it's interesting. It's sort of the way you guys learn, too. And I go into my daughter's room. I say, roll over. You, you know, she rolls over. I don't. I get to go back to sleep because I'm not worried about it. After you see that a few times... It just makes sense to you all of a sudden. Your heart doesn't jump anymore, and you have this historical data that you can start making better decisions with. And um, I don't think people would think of it that way. But even what's going wrong, quote unquote, is a learning experience. I, I, it makes me want to ask you about body chemistry. So you make a product, it does a thing, but every person you put it into is different. Mm-hmm. Do you ever run into people who the CGM just flat out will not work for? So uh, in the past, uh, in our, our first uh, series of products, the, the STS three day and the seven, we actually saw that we saw people about, and actually it was quite a high percentage. It was like 25% of the people that tried our product um, 
we couldn't get reliable glucose readings from them because it was the way that their body was interacting with the sensor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the, as you mentioned before, the glucose sensor will accurately measure glucose, but it, it, it's the, it measures the glucose in the vicinity of the probe. And one of the things that happens with sensor probes when they go into the skin is the body can react to them. And it sends, you know, microphages, a bunch of things occur in the space of what we call the sensor wound. It's actually a little, you know, a little pocket. Um, and so over time, what we've done is both with the uh, working on the, the probe um, kind of characteristics of the actual sensor probe um, and the materials that we put on the sensor probe that do the glucose sensing. Um, the other thing that's really important about those materials other than glucose sensing is that they're biocompatible with the body and not just one person, but all customers. So today we don't see that uh, with G7. We see people, we do see people that'll have a higher rate of sensor error mm-hmm. because, in, and a lot of that has to do with physiology and differences. Um, but uh, we, we don't see folks that the product won't work for like we did in the past. And the way that we got rid of that uh, issue was sensor probe design and the materials on the, on the sensor. Those are, that's how we solved the problem of <laughs> certain folks couldn't use it. It was, it was, challenging to, to tell them, you know, this product just doesn't work for you, but we're working on a new version. And then, you know, we're able to over time, uh, particularly with Gen 4, um, which E4 uh, kind of resolved that issue. I'm interested to know, uh, piggybacking on that, did you see any similarities in those people? Like physiologically, did they have low magnesium or like, you know what I mean? Like something that you could point to and go, oh, there all- wasn't, we didn't find anything, but we could just from the sensor signals, we could see that their bodies were reacting similarly to the sensors. Um, and so we could tell that um, the sensor signal wasn't accurate uh, because of some of the signatures there and the signatures were similar, but what it was in the physiology exactly. We, we don't know. It's one of those things. It's the, uh, that's the, one of the things we learn a lot uh, as we do more and more clinical studies. And, you know, we're still, like I said, learning every day. Um, you, you, there's still more to learn about the physiologic reaction to sensors, uh, and, and the wear time, uh, and the longevity of the sensor and, and quite a bit there that, that we are doing some exciting research on. Yeah. I would be so interested to see the blood panels of every one of the people who says the same thing. You know, I know that's probably not even something you could do, but I, I think there's, I think there's a lot for people's health that we're beginning to understand more and more that, if you have that data, you might really start being able to help people in ways you never imagined. So, you know, just the littlest things. Sometimes it's just a nutrient or, you know, something you need or it's just interesting. Hydration even is so huge, right? Like how often do you tell people that your sensors are acting wonky? Drink drink a glass of water. You Your interstitial fluid's not moving around. So, yeah. all right. No, it definitely helps. How much time do we have, Jake? Do you know what we did for this? Uh, we've got another, uh, I'd say, I think we have about another 10 more minutes. All right, here we go. Fast pace. Um, any more flexibility for alarms, different snoozes? Can, are people going to be able to set up uh, a nighttime versus a daytime, an at school versus an at home? Uh, what I can say is yes to those, those things. We definitely have been listening to user feedback and came up with some really creative solutions to safely provide those types of features like a a different snooze and some things. I can't go into all the details, but um, we definitely listen to customers and and that is is features are built into G7. Excellent. Um, uh, Android people want to know if there might be more frequent updates to Android phones. I don't have an Android, so I don't know why they're asking. Yeah, it's a, it it is. So Android's just, it's a, a a more complex process because, um, you know, w- with Apple, you, the, it's both they manufacture the hardware and they manufacture the operating system. Mm-hmm. With Android, you've got different hardware from different manufacturers, and then you have the OS coming from Android. And then each manufacturer does their own version of the OS. Okay. And so we have to do quite a bit of testing. One of the things that we are, are focusing on and investing more in is our bandwidth and capability to do testing of mobile phones and, and apps. And we've been, over time... Um, Hold on a second. Sorry, call. No, um, so uh, we've been uh, focusing on expanding the capability. Uh, the other thing too is over time we've we've gotten quite good at testing and learning where things can um, have issues. Basically, the the point of compatibility, what we have to do is we have to prove that the product will reliably work with the mobile device, the mm-hmm. Android phone, for example. And uh, we want the it's really generally around the Bluetooth functionality is the primary place where we have our main focus making sure that Bluetooth works reliably because all of the phones have different chipsets in them 
with different levels of reliability. And so we have to verify that users are going to get a good experience. And so when we say a phone's not compatible, um, it's not necessarily that it's not compatible. It's just we haven't tested it and proved it's compatible. So we do, you, you, customers will see an acceleration in our um, compatibility of, of devices. Any chance the new app allows for note-taking? Like, this is what happened right here. They see something and they want to leave a note. There, there is, uh, there are some specifics around um, two things. One, we we made event entry even simpler, mm-hmm. so that you can get into there and enter some things. Um, and um, we'll, really I, specifically um, uh, for entering uh, text, right? Um, at, that one actually, I'm not positive. That I I know that's in the in the feature list, but I don't know if it's in the initial. I'll tell you why the person asked. So maybe it'll uh, feel important to you later. She said that sometimes, like a compression load is an example. Then they do a finger stick, but then the endo doesn't believe them. So they <laughs> so, so they're they're having to fight with their endocrinologist. No, he's not really low there because then the endo wants to change their basal insulin and it turns into this whole like like landslide of problems. Got so, it. So okay. They want to be I hadn't to, heard that one before. Yeah. So three months later, when you're like, I don't know what happened on June tenth at three o'clock, but it, it would be nice to be able to note it, is what the person's saying. I'll and go verify. Yeah, it seemed uh seemed interesting to to bring up. A uh, lot of questions about alarms and being able to schedule different alarms. Um, uh, uh, the ability to dismiss a notification with a swipe, people are asking about. So yes, will that yeah? Happen? So so the um, swipe on the phone or yeah. on the you like on your screen. Yeah. So um, when the notifications come up, um, you have to go in and um, acknowledge it. Um, and so you still do have to acknowledge the um, the alert. And so that's, a, that's an important kind of guarantee that we know that it was acknowledged. Um, so it, you do have to go in and, and acknowledge it through the window. I have a question that's not on here for myself. Any chance we'll be able to see the blood sugar on the lock screen? Uh, possibly. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> How about the follow app? Is that getting an update too? Yeah, so uh, th- that's a great question, Scott. So one of the things that, that I've always wanted to do is I've, I want more updates to our follow-up. Um, what we had our teams focused on was internationalizing G6. So we, we are continuing, you know, even just recently introducing G6 to more countries. Mm-hmm. And so the team was really focused on that and also this new uh, G7 app. And so we weren't doing as many updates to follow as we wanted so one of the things about our expanded software capacity is our our ability to make updates to follow. And so we have a great list of features uh, that we're working on implementing into follow. The great thing about follow is it, it, it is independent of G6 or G7. It works with both. Mm-hmm. And so we'll continue to update follow. Um, and then when G7 comes out, it'll um, seamlessly work with it. Right. So like that. I think the biggest thing people want to know is whatever's happening on the G on the app side. Can I see that this is a no data or there's a sensor error or that kind of stuff, a warm up that kind top, of, top yeah, on the list. I that's, would imagine that's, that's the, the things you're thinking um, about. number one priority for follow. Okay. Wow, there's so many people are really like ninjas about how they use this app. Will there be <laughs> changes to the app right now? The soonest we can get a low notification is after 15 minutes, our two and a half year old can drop super fast. Is that true that it's 15 minutes? Uh, I'm trying to follow that question specifically. So if I so, said if I set a low level of 70, as soon as it hits 70, I I just turn the the slider right now to zero, right, and then I get it right away. Yeah, it alert, alarms. The other thing too is the urgent low soon um, is also can be can be helpful um, for you know r- rapidly dropping, particularly that scenario, right? If they're rapidly dropping, mm-hmm. um, you know, urgent low soon can be really helpful too. But that that kind of predictive alert. But um, no, the, the the alert happens um, goes off when you cross the the threshold. Yeah, I think that um, I I can say for myself, I found that confusing the first time too because it kind of goes in fifteen minute increments. Then the last one's zero. And I think yeah. it feels like, but you just set it to zero. So that's your point earlier about, I guess you, you know, do something, you think it's right. And then people are like, oh, it'd be better like this. And, you know, sometimes it is. I'm skipping all over the Delta rate of change questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, people want to know about like snoozing overnight, like things like that. I, 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 I do think you did a great job of explaining why that's important. Like you can't tell somebody you're se- you're selling them a thing that's going to beep if their blood sugar gets low, and then they're suddenly allowed to decide. Well, it doesn't because you've made a medical promise to them now, and the FDA's let you sell this item because of that. That is what is happening, right? 
That's right. And yeah. and it's and the the worst case scenario is you you did something like silence the alert on accident. You didn't you don't know, you know, you're basically putting your phone in a do not disturb mode, but not recognizing that it's gonna actually silence your glucose alerts that are so important. So um that's that's what it's all about. Um but with G seven we have come up with some great ways to be able to do that safely and inform users and allow them to do things like snooze alerts. I, I, I get a lot of feedback um, and even my, my own experience with the product where we really want, you know, if, if there is a low alert going off and you really want to silence it and you're like, yes, I know I'm low and I don't want to be reminded mm-hmm. for a while, um, that functionality is not in G6 now. Um, we have built that type of functionality in the G7. Cool. I'm going to, this last question is not really a question, but I thought you would find this amusing. So it's five seconds after you've announced that there'll be a 30 minute, you know, delay to use it. And somebody wants to know if they can soak in the new sensor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it with G7, uh, you know, you can apply a sensor and it's going to start, it's going to start its warm up period the second you deploy it. So, um, and then you just, you know, you can, you could start it if you wanted to. Um, one of the fun things about it is sometimes if you, if you deploy a G7 and then, you know, get busy and forget to pair to it, and then you actually pair to it and, you know, you started it an hour ago, you're going to get 30 minutes of data suddenly on your phone. So, um, so if I'm wearing a G7 and I have an hour and a half left or three hours left, I could put on another one mm-hmm. and stay paired to both of them or stay you paired to the initial one? Yeah, you stay paired to the initial one. And then when you're done, you go on and move over to the, the new one. Through Bluetooth settings? I would yeah, switch you just go, yeah, you just go in and yeah, you just, within the app, you just say, I'm starting a new sensor uh, and uh, you just paired it. Jake, your diabetes geek bona fides just went up crazy with people. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm super excited. I'm going to let you wrap up here in a second. I, I have to say that in the middle of this conversation, it went by so quickly. You were a font of knowledge about this. Like you obviously have been working there way too long. <laughs> but, um, but you said something in the middle of just about not having a transmitter anymore that made me realize that all of that anxiety that comes from insurance and is there going to be one at the end? And what happens if I miss it? That really does almost disappear now because of the form factor, right? Yeah, yeah. it's a lot simpler. You don't have a separate transmitter prescription that you have to fill or access, you know, depending on how you get your product. Um, yeah, it's all, it's just, all you need is a sensor. When you're traveling, you don't have to like worry about when the transmitter is going to expire. You basically just need, you will have G7 sensors and yeah. um, you all, you'll always have a fresh transmitter with you. Does this make it more reasonable that they might be accessible in pharmacies more easily now? Yeah, we're we're seeing it. It does help with that. But even with G six, we're seeing um, more and more access in the pharmacy. Okay. Um, we we see that that's you know if the insurance uh, the individual has will cover it through the pharmacy. That's our um, preferred route because it's simpler for the user. It's actually simpler for us. Um, so that we will see greater and greater CGM access in the pharmacy. Okay. Well, Jake, uh, thank you. I literally could have done this all day with you. Um, I I love when you come on. (laughs) It was a blast. I I appreciate you giving me the time. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. If today's episode got you thinking about a Dexcom, head over to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. And I want to also thank Omnipod for sponsoring this episode and for making the Omnipod promise. One more time, because this is new and exciting, and I want to make sure you know. You, of course, can get a free 30-day Omnipod Dash trial at Omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Head over to see if you're eligible. But there's also no need to wait for the next big thing. The Omnipod Promise says to you that you can upgrade to Omnipod's latest technology for no additional cost as soon as they're available to you and covered by your insurance. Terms and conditions apply, and you can find all the details at my link. But really... At this time, in this moment, soak up what that means. Omnipod makes a thing. If you want it, you can go get it right now. If they should ever make something else, as long as it's covered by your insurance, there's no other impediments. 
So it's not like, oh, I just bought the dash. I can't have the new thing. That problem does not exist with the Omnipod promise. All the details are at omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Last thing. These episodes that are around technology often bring in a lot of new listeners. If you're still listening and you enjoyed this, please find the show in a podcast app. Podcast apps are free. You can get them anywhere for Android or iPhone. If you can't find one, go to my website, juiceboxpodcast.com. There's links to them there. And subscribe to the show and give it a chance. Just, Just check it out. I talked earlier about the diabetes pro tip episodes and the defining diabetes episodes. So if you're still listening and you haven't checked those out yet, or you don't know the show, I'm just going to read you a, a, a quick review. This person left this review in 2000 on Apple podcasts. This podcast has changed my life. I had a desire to lower my A1C and manage my blood sugars better, but was going about it blindly. Finding this podcast put everything into a tangible and practical management approach that has taken my A1C from 8.3 to 6.3 in less than six months. And that's just right now. It's going to keep coming down. Thank you, Scott. I'll be quoting you forever. I could read you these reviews all day, but it would feel self-serving, and I don't want them to feel that way. Just head to diabetesprotip.com and see for yourself. Try the Defining Diabetes episodes. Try the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes. Subscribe in a podcast app. Find the private Facebook group for the podcast. 13,000 plus people in there. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. Talking about management in ways that you'll find accessible and easy. Just like you'll find the podcast. I promise you. Fun, light. I know fun and diabetes don't go together. But it's a light conversation that leaves you with a better understanding. Please check it out. And if you don't come back, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Juice Box Podcast. And for the rest of you, don't forget to share the show with someone who you think can benefit from it or will enjoy it. Thanks so much, guys. Your support means everything. The podcast is going crazy strong right now. It is because of you. It is because you listen. It's because you subscribe and download and share. And I can't thank you enough. I'll be back soon with another episode.